Welcome to Arts for the Health of It, a podcast where you will discover creative ways to improve your health and well-being. Someone may have told you that art isn't for you, but they were wrong. Anyone can create arts for the health of it. No talent or experience necessary. I'm just a little songbird, try to fly my way homeward with the melody and I make the beat. Don't know where it'll take me, take me. Cause when I'm in the dark of night, I sing my way back to the light. Come along with me and your heart will see that a song changes everything. And I'm Constanza Roeder. I'm your host. And we had such a good um, interview today. And we get pretty deep in this interview. So I just... cried again. <laughs> I know. Like, this <laughs> happens a lot. Um, but one of the things I love about the arts is they have this ability to help us understand ourselves in a deeper way and can lead us into more authentic and truthful, honest living out of ourselves and who we are. And even if that, uh, even if getting in touch with what we're honestly thinking or feeling can sometimes be um, hard. And sometimes those things that we're thinking and feeling at a deep level are dark and painful. Um, but the arts can help us identify those things and then move through those things. And Lorna, Lorna, our guest today, does that through writing. And she shares so openly about her story, about how she's used the arts um, and used writing specifically to achieve more authenticity and truth in her life. And then she shares at the end, um, some advice for y'all, you know, y'all were in Texas, um, for y'all about how you can incorporate some writing into your own life. Um, in that same way. Yeah. Because it's not always happy little trees with Bob Ross. And, uh, I think it's a great way of, of expressing yourself and we talk a lot about like that connection with other people because especially if you're going through hard times or difficult things you think you're the only person and we talk Mm. about that a lot with patients in the hospital you think you know there's a floor of 60 other people but you think you're the only one there Mm. and just for her it was just writing out her story made her realize she wasn't the only one Mm. and And helping helped other people know that they weren't the only one. Yeah, and that's, you know, what the arts are all about is connecting us all. So I Oof. love that. Absolutely. <sighs> so true. It was really good. I'm so glad was she really was good. here. Um, and she was just very honest and open and willing to discuss everything. And it made for a really, really good conversation. And I don't want to waste your time. So I'm just going to get Do to it. it. Um, but I'm going to tell you a little bit about Lorna. She's a Pacific Northwest writer and speaker. Her work has been recognized by the PNWA and the Oregon Poetry Association, and she has appeared in several magazines and anthologies. She is the former president of Write on the River, a nonprofit dedicated to supporting writers in North Central Washington and beyond, as well as on the board of the Oregon Poetry Association. She is also a certified 
ACES Adverse Childhood Experiences speaker and has spoken publicly on finding resilience through writing, overcoming adversity, motherhood, and writing, and her experience experience in uh, AmeriCorps. So you can check her out at LornaRose.com. She's just, I don't know, I really like her. She was fun. And here's her interview, everyone. Take a listen. We are here with Lorna Rose here on uh, Arts for the Health of It. Thank you, Lorna, for being here. Hello. Lorna is a writer, and I was on her website, and this is what drew me to her. The short story on her website is that she writes narrative, nonfiction, and poetry. And this is what I loved. I write to claim my feelings, allowing me to do with them what I need to affirm and sit with myself in ways I couldn't otherwise and to inspire others. And I Mm. thought, yeah, right. Like it isn't about putting it out there for people. It isn't about anything, but like I'm using it for what I need, what I need it for. And that could be for any of the arts, not just writing. Like Mm. I say all the time, my paintings get hung on the, on the walls of a garbage can because I do it (laughs) for me and I get out of it. And I, how did that, how did you come to that realization that that's what it's about? Yeah, God, that's a really good quote. I'm actually kind of. Yeah, you should be impressed with like, yourself. You <laughs> <laughs> no, put that on a t-shirt or a magnet or something. I should, I should go like copyright that or something. Yes. Um. So how did I come to it? Well, so I've been a writer like forever. I, I was like a nerd in, in grade school that won all like a young author award and stuff. And, you know, for like this short story that I wrote about a family of gingerbreads who lived in a cupboard in the kitchen. And then I got away from writing for a long time. I am from a family of businessmen and engineers. And so I grew up in a very like black and white household. It was, there was like one right answer for Mm. everything and everything else was just wrong. There was no nuance. There was no gray. uh, There was none of that. Mm. And so uh, creativity wasn't exactly encouraged. And in fact, I didn't come back to writing it all in any serious way till I was 35 and a mom for the first time. What was it about that time in your life that brought you back? So I just, well, I, I decided to leave uh, my job and, and stay at home with my son, which I never thought I would do because I had the stereotype in my head about like stay at home moms, like we all just wear bathrobes all day and and we sit on the couch and watch like Jerry Springer. And if the baby cries, we just rock it a little bit and then, you know, go back to smoking cigarettes and, and a shag carpet. There's always shag carpet. Your like dreams don't update that often, do they? I know, I guess not, you know, but I grew up in the eighties. And so that was kind of, you know, everybody had chat carpet and everybody smoked and stuff. Right. Um, So I just, I started, I don't know. I just started writing about everything motherhood, about anything from pumping breast milk to staying at home with him and how isolating that can be. And I just, 
started going from there and it just sort of just started flowing out of me. And it was, it was wonderful. It was like coming home. Mm. That's awesome. What, what was it about writing? What drew you to writing that you felt like even in third grade, her uh, story, the, what's it called? The gingerbreads. Yes. Uh, third grade. Like what was it that you were like, I need to get this out on paper. I think it was just, it kind of started in my head as like this, this cute little story, like, oh, what would it be like if, and then the, the curiously, the gingerbread family was a lot like my family. Like we, we took a trip to Florida every year for spring break. We had family in Florida. So we go to Southwest Florida every year and look, the, the gingerbreads go to Florida and they have this adventure down in Florida and they just sort of take a plane to Florida and they find a house that no one's living in. <laughs> They're like squatters or something, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> but I don't know. It just sort of started as this cute little thing. And then when I came back to it later in life, it was, it's, it, it became really affirming for me to just write stuff down and 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 own it in a way that I couldn't if it was just like inside my head all the time. Hmm. So you write a you lead workshops about writing for resiliency and or journaling for resiliency. I wonder if you could maybe define what you mean by resiliency and the role that um writing plays. Like how does writing help resiliency? Sure, sure. So resiliency to me is overcoming obstacles and keeping at it. Mm. And the very first step in that process, I believe, is owning where you are mm. and accepting who you are where you are in life, where you're, where you're going. And is that different from where you want to go? Hmm. Right. And I think writing just, you know, you get your inner world down on paper, your inner world being a short story, like the gingerbreads or your inner world being, Oh my God, I, I don't want to get out of bed today. Or, oh my God, I want to hurt my baby. Mm. Once you get that down on paper, it's real. Mm. And then you can start to process it. And you can, like I said, kind of get a control over it. And then you it kind of becomes like the next step. It, you know, you're realizing something you're realizing a deeper truth hmm. and then you can sort of work with it from there. Hmm. Could you share if you don't, if you don't mind, if you feel comfortable sharing um, maybe a specific time and you've mentioned a couple of specifics, but a specific time where coming where you used writing to overcome a specific challenging situation where you, 
did exactly what what you just said. I feel like it might be helpful if, if someone listening may have never gone through that process, um, maybe giving them a little glimpse about what that could look like. Like what is, you know, how does that help by just saying what, you know, where you're at? Sure, sure. So I, one of the reasons I write today is not to give voice to regular or quote unquote normal experiences. For instance, when I was pregnant with my daughter, I did not write about how wonderful it is to be pregnant and (laughs) how great it is and everyone loves it. And it's such a happy time because there's so much out there like that. And it wasn't true. Hmm. I wrote about that I did not want this baby, Hmm. that it wasn't planned for me to be pregnant again. So that that is surprising Hmm. to some readers. But to other readers and to probably more readers than we might think, they're going, gosh, I thought I was the only one. Hmm. And that's, that's important to me because number one, that's my truth. And number two, that's their truth. Hmm. And then they can know that they're not, they're not crazy. They're not weird for not like, loving being pregnant and oh my gosh, it's like the best thing ever. Mm. Because sometimes it's not, you know. Thank you for sharing that. I think it's something I've always thought is um that artists, creatives can be leaders in areas of vulnerability and honestly confronting and expressing the human experience so that and the rest of us don't feel so alone. And then it almost gives other, do you feel like sometimes it gives other people permission? And you kind of alluded that other people permission to say me too. Like that's, I've felt that too. Sure. Sure. And then later to continue with this example, later on in my pregnancy, we found out she might have this like genetic disorder and it would just be, she would have some medical difficulties Mm. in life. And uh, that was a really dark time. Actually, that wasn't when I really turned to writing. And uh, for, because for a while we didn't know if she was going to be okay. We didn't even know if she was going to survive the pregnancy. Mm. And so I wrote about a lot of things, but one of the things that came out of that time was, my writing about, well, if I'm going to miscarry, then maybe that's just as well. Mm. And then feeling so guilty about mm. that, about thinking that. And and so I, I wrote about all of that, you know, mm. and then uh, what, when I, I did, there were two poems that were published out of that experience. And the feedback I got was, wow. Mm-hmm. this happened to me or, or a similar thing happened to me and I felt so guilty or I felt so 
alone when this happened. Mm. So, you know, thank you for giving voice to that. Mm. That's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Lorna and I have birthdays like four days apart. And I don't know (laughs) if Lorna, you have found this, but ever since I turned 37, I feel like I'm crying about everything and listening to you talk. I like wish we had this conversation like a year ago because I've had two friends go through that same exact thing that like they would call me crying saying, I don't even care if I look like pregnant. I don't care. I I almost want to lose. This is too hard. Mm. And, and you don't know what to say to them and you don't know. I can't relate to them. I'm not going to be pregnant anytime soon. I don't know what that's like, (laughs) but I, it's that one thing, like if you're curious about it or you're going through it, someone else probably is too. And it's so, it took so much just for them to tell me and you're out there telling the world. And mm. I don't know. Has it, has it all yeah. been positive feedback? <laughs> uh, yeah, for the most part. I mean, I haven't gotten any like, you know, shame on you or. Mm, um, that's good. You know, yeah, not nothing like that. Not yet. Yeah. I mean, you can't, you can't be bad at someone for telling the truth. Right. I mean, it's like, like you've already, <laughs> you know, you've already called yourself out or said, you know, said things so honestly. And I think that's a, I think that's a good point. Cause I think people are really afraid of sharing what's in their hearts. Cause they're afraid of being seen and then shamed for it. And that, you know, that does still happen, but I feel like anytime that, I've shared something vulnerably. Usually what it does is it just unlocks other people's willingness to be vulnerable, um, which when they're in that s- space, like they're not going to be hating on you. <laughs> they're, they're sitting more honestly with their own, um, their own truth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if they go, I mean, if they go after you or whatever and, and give you that negative feedback, that's, that's more about them. Mm-hmm. You know, that that's not about you and your writing and your truth. That's, that's about them. That's on them. Absolutely. You know, on this podcast, we, you know, our focus is arts and health and um, you, we, you know, have different researchers and have talk about different data. Um, and this is, you know, there's a lot of, there actually is quite a bit of data about writing honestly. You know, they've taken um, uh, like can- a group of cancer survivors and cohorts of cancer survivors. And in one group, they were told to journal about just like the daily activities, kind of neutral. Um, and then in another group, they were asked to write about their cancer experience. Um, and what they found is the people who wrote about their cancer experience had more improved, um, psychosocial symptoms, like they, they, their well-being was improved. And in particular, survivors that used more negative words actually had more positive outcomes when they were really mm. digging into the, 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 like how the reality of how they really felt and all the dark stuff. And they, expelled that onto paper that that um that they had more significant gains in their well-being so that sounds like kind of what you're talking about yeah that's interesting yeah yeah um i think uh people are afraid to go to those dark places and Mm. 
to not only go to them, but like tell people, like tell other people about their dark experiences and their, their dark places. But like you said, I mean, it can be really healing and it, it speaks directly to resilience, you know? Mm. Yeah. And overcoming those, those obstacles within yourself and then maybe helping someone else overcome theirs. Mm. So do you feel like that resilience comes? So once, once it's expressed, once you get down to the truth of things, then what? Like you, I think in Richard's initial quote, um, what was it, Richard? Uh, that there's something about taking power back. Uh, I can claim my feelings, allowing me to do with them what I need to affirm and go. sit with myself in ways I couldn't otherwise. Yeah. Mm. So is there like a, a is there like a process after the writing of of reviewing and kind of reflecting, or is it just in the writing itself that um, allows you to to do that? Uh, for me, it's more about the writing. Um, it's it, like like my 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 awesome quote that's apparently on my website. Um, <laughs> the uh, just sitting with yourself in in a new way, in a more honest way. You know, Joan Didion is a famous um, essayist uh, in the, she's just sort of this tycoon in the literary world. And one of her awesome quotes about writing is, I write entirely to know what I'm thinking. Mm. And I think that's so true. You, I mean, you, you know, you start, you start writing. I mean, I know some writers that do like, like free writing, like they'll just sit down and they'll set a timer for like 10 minutes and they'll just write whatever comes into their head and they don't stop to edit or to think much. They just sort of just go like whatever comes into their head. And at the end of those 10 minutes, they stop and they will reflect on what they wrote. And a lot of times that can lead to deeper stuff. Mm -hmm. And then if they want to go for another 10 minutes based on a theme that they pick up from the, the first set of writings, then they will do that. And, you know, if you do that process over and over and over, it will lead to something. And I think the other, my, uh, answer to your other part of the question is, you know, then what will, it really kind of depends on what your goal is for your writing. Hmm. You know, do, do you want to publish it? Do you want to put it on a blog? Uh, do you want to submit it somewhere? Hmm. Uh, or you just want to have it for yourself, which is fine. Hmm. Uh, I think it really depends on, do you want people to see it? How many people do you want to see it? Hmm. Uh, all that sort of stuff. Do you, but one follow-up question to that, do you, have you ever had a time where, um, cause I feel like that writing itself is healing, like you said. Um, but then I think, you know, in my experience sometimes with writing, when I, there's like a whole other level of healing that's happened when I've shared it with people close to me, when I've shared some of, <sighs> those honest, you know, revelations with people close to me. And that's kind of deepened the, 
the healing because then I feel less alone in it, kind of like you said. Um, and I wonder if you've had some of that experience yourself um, or if it's mostly just come from, you know, you personally writing without getting any feedback or input from the outside. Yeah. Yeah. So good question. So when I first started um, writing poetry about my daughter and the, the pregnancy complications, I, I thought, well, this is just for myself, you know, and it wasn't like I didn't want to share it with anybody. It was like, I don't know if anyone's going to get it, <laughs> you know. But then as I kind of went through the process and I started telling family and close friends, hey, I'm pregnant, but she might not be okay. Mm-hmm. Like kind of Richard, what, what you said earlier, uh, there's no script for that. Like mm-hmm. how to respond to that. You know, generally it's... Um, it's more like, oh, I'm I'm pregnant, and and the other person says, oh, congratulations, and right. then nine months later, baby comes, and it's all mm-hmm. good, and so there's no narrative for like, well, I'm pregnant, and I really don't want to be, and you know, she she might not be healthy. Mm-hmm. I, I had so many family and good friends not know what to say to that, and not because they had, you know, malintention or anything. It's just, they really did not know what to say. There's no response to that. So I did want to give a voice to, this is an experience that thousands of women probably every day go through, Mm -hmm. you know, when they receive bad news, potentially bad news about their baby, or they don't want to be pregnant or, something. I wanted Mm. to kind of normalize that a little bit and affirm those women who are going through those experiences. Mm. To follow up on that, uh, so many follow-up questions. What would you have wanted people to say? Let's say someone's listening and they, they know someone in their lives that's going through a hard time and they don't know what to say or do. What, what do you have any advice for them? Just listen just explore that with them ask them questions don't go in with your own agenda of like Mm -hmm. oh it'll be fine don't worry about it (laughs) yeah that's often what what we say right that's kind of an automatic response and they're it's not about you know they're trying to invalidate you or or anything, they just don't know what else to say. So just uh, what I would say is just sit with them, be there for them, ask questions about, um, you know, uh, you know what they're feeling, what 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 this experience is like for them right now, you know, um, what, you know, what what are they what are they wishing for? Um, do they have um, hopes for the baby uh, in terms of, you know, I, I want a cute little redhead or something? <laughs> you know, I think it's kind of like it's kind of like the process of grief, you know, and it is a, you are grieving in a way, 
Mm. When, when you're, when you find out some potentially bad news about your baby, cause you're grieving the idea of having this, like a quote unquote normal, there's that word again, right? Normal pregnancy, normal baby, you know, mm. you're, you're grieving that, that that mm. might not happen, you know? And so it's a lot like grief. It's, I think people are afraid in general of bringing up something that is going to put that person into a bad place mm. where, whereas it can be really helpful mm. to that person. I mean, it's, it's kind of like, you don't want to wish or, or you don't want to ask a, a mother who has lost a child about that child. You're kind of afraid to do that yeah. because I, I don't know, it might bring up something. Well, that woman has already been to all those places. Mm. And so bringing up a, you know, a deceased child it is, it could be really healing. Mm. I don't know if that makes any sense at all, but yeah. I, yeah. And I think oftentimes it's that, the person asking the questions is uncomfortable. They don't want to be uncomfortable. So that's why we don't want to bring it up. We pretend that, well, I don't want to make the mother upset, but it's really, I don't know what I'm supposed to say or do. So I'm going to keep quiet because I'm uncomfortable. Mm. And that's where the, it's going to get better or you'll be okay. Like that's where the, you know, that's why people throw that out there because they don't know what else to say and they're uncomfortable. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. Instead of just like going into it and really you both probably have questions on both sides of it and just being open and an honest conversation would probably be more helpful. Yeah. And, and, and that's a good point, Rich. I mean, you are going to be uncomfortable as that friend asking those questions you are, but that's okay too. You know, Hmm. it's all okay. Show up even if you're uncomfortable, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Sometimes when the best stuff happens. Yes. One of the nope. I I will take a break, Richard. Oh. You ask questions. I've That's just fine. I have so many. What <laughs> was what was because I was thinking about like grief and um and what that's like and how you have to go through that process when you come from a family of of business minded people and there's suddenly that quirky kid who's not going to do that. I feel like there's sort of a grief process there for them of like oh great. What are we going to do? And now I'm not going to have this doctor, you know, like because parents have an idea of what their kids are going to do and be. And then you stumble along. All of us here in this room right now are the creative weird ones. And did what was your family's reaction to to your path? Well, Lorna even has a quote from her mom on her website. The quote is Lorna was a difficult child. (laughs) If you want the best quotes, just go to LornaRose.com <laughs> and take all the quotes. No, she never actually said that. Um, you made that to up. To my knowledge, anyway, maybe you know something I don't. We called your mother. No. <laughs> Sorry. Well, okay, so here's the thing, though. I, like, I graduated college. Rich, I think I told you I went to Marquette. Mm-hmm. So we probably lived in Milwaukee, actually, in, like, like the same like time frame or something. We probably yeah. saw each other on the street at one point. Yeah. Like I was probably drunk. 
when we saw <laughs> That's probably why we don't remember it. We'll edit that part out. But <laughs> yeah. maybe we hung out at a house party. We were both <laughs> probably more likely. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, so, okay. So I graduated college and then I went into corporate America. Mm. And I did the whole businesswoman, pinstripe suit, taking clients to lunch, closing the deal. I did that for the better part of 10 years. Hmm. And you know what? Writing. Yes. And you know what? I hated it. Like I, I was semi good at it ish, I guess, you know, I faked it a lot because I'm an introvert by nature. And I, I, that's another thing I've embraced since I started writing again is just, I'm just an introvert. Like, I mean, like you guys are okay, but like a big crowd or, We're you know, just okay. being with, <laughs> you're fabulous. Being with it, comfy. Yeah. Yes. I'm comfortable. You should, I'm paying you a compliment. I'm, I'm comfortable. Well, thank okay. you. We'll take it. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did that for years, you know, and, and extroversion really is kind of the cornerstone of a sales career. You know, you've got to mm-hmm. love people and you've got to love the whole schmoozing thing and whatever. And I always was uncomfortable because it didn't feel authentic to me. Mm. And I was trying to sell a product that was not mine Mm. that I didn't really even like, like I could really care less about. Mm. So I did that for a long time and I tried to convince myself that I did love it. And this is the career for me. And look at me, I'm fabulous. I'm at the Denver Nuggets game with clients and I'm in box seats and it's fabulous. Well, I no, I, I hated it. I mm. just, yeah. And so I um, kind of some, like some other stuff, like I wasn't, I worked in healthcare for a while because I thought that was, that was my path and it, it wasn't. And then um, when I got pregnant, I was like, um, I was planning on going back to work at first, but then um, he came and I was like, you know what? I just want to be home. And that's when I started writing and I was, man, this is it. I I knew right away. I'm like, this is it. This Mm. is what I want to be doing. I want to be a mom. Uh, I want to be a writer and, you know, I'm coming back. Like I said, it it felt like coming home. It was coming back to my roots that I had buried for 20 plus years. Mm. I think that touches on um, something I'm kind of observing as you talk is there's kind of this theme of truth and authenticity um, about, it seems like what you're passionate about. Um, What are the consequences of living inauthentically and not being in touch with, with truth and living into that? Oh, good question. I even have an answer for that. Oh, for both of you then. (laughs) I interviewing both of you now. Rich, do you want to go first? I mean, I I went right to when you asked that, I thought, oh, like pre coming out for me Mm. and what I was like. And I was so unhealthy. Like it made Mm. me sick. I was overweight. I was depressed. There were all of these things because I was not, I was trying to be. Like, I just wasn't me. Hmm. 
See, this is why I can't host this show because all I do is cry. (laughs) (laughs) But like that, I don't know. Anyway, that's my answer. Go. (laughs) Thanks for sharing, Richard. That's good. Uh, You're just, uh, well, I was just uncomfortable. Like, I, I mean, I said, I, like I said, I enjoyed it to a point, you know, and I really did. I mean, I, I met some great people. I had some, some good clients some good customers, but it just, I don't know. I felt sort of this, um, in my memoir, I, I use, I describe it as like stilted energy. Mm. I had this like sort of this, this, uh, I don't, um, this energy with like frayed edges, Mm. you know, this sort of like, oh my God, how are you today? And oh my God, I want to sell you a product and it's (laughs) wonderful. And you love me. I love you. Oh my God. (laughs) And that just, that's not sustainable. Number one. Mm. And number two, I just always, I don't know. I felt like I was putting on a show like all the time Mm. and it it, it was exhausting. I was just going to say that I, you know, and then at the end of the day, I didn't have any any energy left for me. Mm. Mm. It's big. I, I imagine there's maybe some people listening that, maybe have never explored writing for themselves um, and maybe are like weirded out by touchy feely things or getting in touch with their truth and maybe, maybe want to, but maybe don't know where to start. Do you have anything that you might recommend any, any prompts or advice you might give someone who might want to try this? I actually teach a workshop on writing small about big things. Mm. And Rich, I touched on this when I was on your show back in April. So I think new writers, when they sit down and they do, they want to do what you just said. They want to be in touch with themselves and they want to write, you know, about big things. They feel that pressure that every sentence that they put down has to be this profound sort of thing. And it really doesn't. My advice is to start small and sort of find your way into something bigger that way. For instance, write about how your cup of coffee tasted that morning. Did it taste different than other mornings? Hmm. Write about getting your son dressed for school. And he was being difficult and what that was like for you or getting up in the middle of the night and, and breastfeeding your daughter and, and what that was like, just something small, you know, um, like I uh, introducing like my mom, for instance, in my memoir, and she and I have a, a 
complicated relationships. And I mean, I can't just say, well, my mom and I had a complicated relationship, right? I talked about her handwriting. She's Mm -hmm. got very unique handwriting. And so I talked about her handwriting and I said, you know, she's, her handwriting's just sort of this stiff, brusque Hmm. strokes. And I, I, I I said, uh, they looked like they were soldiers prodded to pay attention. Hmm. And that describes her personality, Hmm. you know, but it's gotta be something that, that you can see in your mind, Hmm. you know, so then the reader can see it. And at the same time, it takes the pressure off you having to write these profound themes, have to sit down and compose war and peace. Hmm. You know, you don't have to do that. That's good. (laughs) (laughs) You can write about just the most mundane thing that you can think about. Hmm. Write about that. The smallest thing you can think about, write about that. And by and by, it will blossom into something larger. Mm, that's great. I think that's so important to, like you said, take pressure off of ourselves to produce something. It's. It reminds me of something that my mom actually said a while back. Um, she had um, breast cancer this past year. And so she was working with some of our artists virtually and all, all of that. And she hadn't, had, you know, had, hadn't really done much visual art, but she wanted to explore that. And um, she was actually listening to someone we interviewed talk about their process, kind of their writing process, how sometimes they would write stuff just to throw it away, like that it was just that, that, yeah, like they didn't plan on doing anything with it. They just wanted to write. And that was kind of a new thought for her, like, oh, that kind of takes the pressure off. Like I can just do it and I don't have to go in with an agenda. And then if it does become something um, that I want to keep or mold or do something more with, you can, but you don't have to put that pressure on yourself from the beginning. Cause it's like, it's so stifling for our, for our creativity when we put all that stress on ourselves. That's what I I loved about the quote on your website about doing it and it's for you and you can do with it what you need. That's what I Mm -hmm. Mm love. And you can't think about a future reader while you're writing. You just Mm -hmm. can't. And the other thing I would say is writing always leads to more writing, Mm -hmm. you know? So even if you're writing something, you know, you're going to throw away, still write it. Mm-hmm. Because the next time you come to the page, well, maybe you want to keep it, you know, and the next time you come, well, maybe you want to keep it and then share it, you know, this is yeah. going to be the easiest episode to find quotes from to post about <laughs> nice. so many good quotes. This whole thing is all about quotes. It's the quote. Show. Oh, my it's gosh. Yes. <laughs> you need to send me the send me the artwork for the show and I'll. I just got an Instagram, Uh-oh. so Ooh. I, I know it's like a brave new world for me. What is it? How can people follow you? Uh, so I'm at Lorna Rose Writes. It's L-O-R-N-A-R-O-S-E-W-R-I-T-E-S. Nice. And she just got on Instagram, so that's probably not the just, best I, way to contact her. But what is a good way to <laughs> for people to connect with you? Because I love how honest you are and open you are. 
and mm-hmm. you're just like there's just no apologizing and i love that that you're just oh thanks like, we said, like authentically you and people yeah are, I'm in, I mean this is the second time I've interviewed you because I just like am attracted to Aww. your whole aura. So tell the people where they can find you. Well, and but I, real quick to, to that point, um I kind of went through some some shit when I was growing up. And so I think that has really contributed to uh my attitude now of like what are people going to say to me or do to me that, that hasn't already been done? Mm. You know, like how, how are you going to make me feel that I haven't felt before and I haven't survived, Mm. you know? Madonna has a song about that, but that's. Oh, really? I'll send you the lyrics. 80s Madonna was like, I was 80s Madonna, by the way. I was like, (laughs) that was me. Yeah. That's awesome. I feel like we're talking. Um, no, so on my website is uh, just lornarose.com. And yes, that is my real name. People are like shocked. People will ask me, is your last name really Rose? I'm like, yeah. And they're like, oh, you know, really? I'm like, yeah, that's, that can be a last name. You know? <laughs> uh, yeah. So there's a, a contact me form on my website. If you want to get in touch, I would love to hear from you. And uh, I teach workshops about this stuff. Uh, I also write um, a fair amount about, about this stuff and then uh, about motherhood and raising uh, two neurodiverse kids. And I also speak to groups about that topic as well. Cool. Yeah. We appreciate you spending time with us. Thank you for having this awesome like show you got going on here. This whole project is just awesome. We're very excited. We're, I think we're 20 weeks into it. And, uh, Oh, so it's new. It's new. Yeah. Yep. So we're having fun. You're having thanks to people like you. Yes. Uh, Make sure you go to heartsneedart.org. All of the links for Lorna and everything we talked about will be right there on the website make sure you subscribe wherever you're watching or listening and we will see you or you'll hear us or whatever that is next week keep creating everyone bye bye thanks for listening thank you for listening to arts for the health of it a podcast produced by hearts need art creative support for patients and caregivers in partnership with the national organization for arts and health you can help others learn about the healing power of the arts by subscribing sharing and reviewing the podcast wherever you listen or watch. The podcast is hosted by Richard Wilmore, co-hosted by Constanza Rader. Our theme song, Songbird, is written and performed by Natalie Lane. Visit heartseedart.org to learn how you can support our mission to create joy with people facing life-altering health challenges. Join us next week to learn more ways you can create art for the health of it. The views expressed on this podcast do not necessarily reflect the views of Heartseed Art, their staff, board members, or other affiliates. All content is created for informational purposes only. This podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice or to diagnose and treat any health condition. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health professional with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. Never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it because of something you heard on this podcast.